royal family member in the England squad, who do you have? And why? What? What's the uh, the age group of this final side? It's not, no, they're, they're going to the World Cup, mate. Oh, because obviously it makes a decision where you're going to get Prince Andrew or not, doesn't it? <laughs> He's coaching the kids team. Yeah, I'll take the I'll take the under 15s away. Don't worry, we'll tour Portugal. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not him. Out of all of the royal family, you have to pick someone who's going to represent England at the world at the Euros this summer. Who do you put in that squad? You have to. It's a new law made by obviously. Uh, yeah. Okay, you go for William. He's tall. Sit stick him at the back. Football fan as well, Villa fan. Or oh, Harry does it like one of those suburban league right backs or left backs, doesn't he? He could, he could definitely turn out for Lawrence Weston. <laughs> <laughs> he could, he could. Episode two, mate. Episode two, here we are. Episode one went down relatively well. Yeah, it was all right actually. Obviously, got my mum and dad to share it around, so we did a bit. Um, yeah, episode two. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna talk about, mate? So today. We'll be talking about Niger's 500th game in charge, Joey's social media ban, clearing up the local football cancellations, and announcing our first ever entry into the Brizzle 11. I'm Coops, that's Patrick, and this is Brizzle Kicks. So then, this week marks one year without fans in stadiums. So this time last year was the last time that Rovers and City fans were going to Ashton Gate and to the Mem. Did you miss it? Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah, of course. I, look, I haven't, I haven't been as much as I should have, uh, or not even should have, because of playing on Saturdays and obviously now managing. Um, I, I haven't been as much. Um, I stopped my season ticket in 2015. So, you know, six years without one is, is quite a long time. Um, but I get down maybe 10 times a season. Do you remember what your last game was before COVID hit? Yeah. Um, lucky for me, it was the Bristol City Shrewsbury one all, um in January of last year. Uh, what a cracker that was. Yeah. Uh, no, it was rubbish. <laughs> was um, that FA Cup? FA Cup, mate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the last game I went to was Blackport at home, Alfie Kilgore, wonder striking one of um Ben Garner's very rare wins. So I think I think for Rovers fans it was um COVID came at quite a good time because we were kind of slipping down the league and we could have quite possibly been that team that was third at Christmas and then relegated by the end of the season. So Lucky for you you get to watch the slip from your sofa instead <laughs> of a of a cold terrace. So thinking about that, thinking about one year since fans in, were in stadiums, you know, what part of the match day experience do you miss the most? Um, I think what football misses the most is the atmosphere of the fans and the reactions. The whole point of football, the reason people love football, is the fact that it's not nobody knows what's going to happen. That's the, that's the joy of football. That's why so many millions of people watch it, because you cannot predict football, as Bet365 are fully aware from me this <laughs> this lockdown. But um, you can't predict what's going to happen. So it's, at, it, nah, it's the fans, mate. It's the unpredictability. It's the reactions. Um, that's got to be it for me. What about you? So I miss a few things. You know, there's, there's nothing quite like that. The anticipation you get when you sort of, you know you're going to the game, you're going to the stadium... Mm. It's, you have that no matter who you're playing 
Yeah. You could be playing Man United. If you're going to the game, you, you have a blind faith that you're going to win. That you're going to win. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Whereas yeah. if you watch it on TV, it's just like, oh, we'll lose today. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you go into the stadium, even, even, even before you get to the stadium, you're already thinking, oh, we'll lose today. But as soon as you get to the stadium, yeah. you have your first pint. Oh, we're going to win today. Well, they're never going to lose with me in the ground. Yeah, yeah that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. your first pint of Thatcher's. Yeah, yeah. No, there are good. other ciders available. Um, not, no, there isn't. <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor us, Thatcher's, I will take a slab. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, one of the other things I, I miss is those sort of terrorist pundits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's people that, you know, they're in the dugout, we'd be top of the league. Clean sheets every week, scoring loads of goals, and I don't know if you get that at Ashton Gate with kind of more of a, a seated thing. That's not a dig at kind of seating, but I just wonder if it's more of a, a terrace sort of thing where people are standing up. They're more sort of experts. So I remember the Leeds game specifically. Um, Leeds game start of the season of the twenty nineteen season. They beat us 3-0. Bamford was unbelievable. And I sat in the Dolman family bit because I didn't have a season ticket. It was pretty, you know, first game of the season. We always get a reasonable, reasonably big gate. Um, and I sat behind um, this row of um, students. And one of them, honestly, was the most insufferable bloke you've ever seen in the world. <laughs> but he, he had a Yorkshire accent. And he was giving his commentary, calling us Bristol and being this absolute pundit about the game. And he had no idea. And it got so boring. <laughs> it got so boring. But um, I don't think that's a bad thing either. I just want to go on record to say that um, the students at Ashton Gate and the tourists, I guess you'd kind of call football them. Tourists uh, at Ash- football tourists at Ashton Gate. I don't Gate. think, maybe not tourists, the, the people who go for a couple of games the, a season. The day-outers. The day-outers, who haven't seen us in, you know, League One getting done over by Cambridge or Division <laughs> Two, you know, things like that. But, um, but no, to those kind of people, it's not a bad thing, but this guy in particular was dreadful as a pundit and he had no idea. Clearly never played football. Do you know one well. of the worst places I've heard Terrace pundits. Where? I think we just made it created a new term as well. Terrace uh, pundits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stamford Bridge Chelsea fans. I've God, never they, been to they are Bridge. awful. Yeah. Yeah. I went, saw Chelsea play Barcelona there, and uh, obviously Lionel Messi's playing. Yeah, he, he's all right, isn't he? Yeah, and, and you know Chelsea fans are just couldn't understand the life of them why. The Chelsea players weren't jumping in at Lionel Messi and trying to win the ball quickly off him. <laughs> or just screaming, it off screaming him. at Chelsea players to get stuck into Lionel Messi. Yeah, yeah. Easy, though. Easy, yeah, yeah. 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 Just jump in, nick the ball, and you're away. Why, oh, yeah. why, why doesn't anybody else do that? Uh, there's, always a, there's always a handful of fans in there for every club that mm. obviously consider themselves terrorist pundits, yeah. But, you know, first game back will be soon. I don't think we'll be back in the stadium by May the 17th, uh, just from a... An equality point of view in terms of it'd be the last home game of the season. It's just a bit unfair for teams to have that. Mm. Um, but next season, hopefully we're back in stadiums. What is going to be your day out in South Bristol to, to celebrate being able to go to Ashton Gate again? Um, oh, yeah, I normally get a training, uh, get a training as early as possible, head up to the pub and just get drunk. But actually this time, I think I might not get as drunk and just enjoy it. I've really, I have missed going to Ashton Gate a lot. Um, Didn't you used to go to the Thatcher's farm? Yeah, oh yeah, yes, I did actually. Yeah, we yeah we did a couple of trips down to the farm before. Um, yeah, maybe 
Yeah, maybe that's a trip out. I don't know. For me, I want to actually take in... There are many games that are one big blur uh, at Ashton Gate, um, mainly because I'm pissed. So I would actually like to just enjoy the atmosphere. And I just hope everyone's... I hope we're in a good run of form. I, I'm just really nervous that the whole stadium is going to be booing Pearson and shouting Pearson out um, by that point. Well, it depends when you go. If you're going around December, then yeah. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, at that point, we probably would have... Um, yeah, we'll be starting our winning run up to December, probably. Yeah, and then but December onwards, you, you start your decline. Yeah, yeah. I'll make, yeah, I'll make sure I get there before December. But no, mate, just looking forward to, um, to obviously just the ritual of it all. I love... I love the shower on a Saturday morning before. Sorry, <laughs> I love the, I, just to get to get the like you say the anticipation is what drives you through that morning. The match day shower before going to the game. <laughs> that sounds mental. What, what, um, happen, what happens in the shower? Well, no. <laughs> thinking, no. thinking about Scott Murray. Yeah. Well, no, it's good looking bloke. No, I think no the anticipation of the day, mate. Having your having your bacon sandwich, um, you know, just mate. I think we can all agree that we are just looking forward to it. Um, I just hope the atmosphere is there, and I hope you know sometimes you can go to a game and the atmosphere is not there. And you know, I think, yeah, I just hope that all the anticipation all, all delivers. Basically, mm. I guess for me, it's starting at the cider press. Yeah, <laughs> heading up to the anchor. Right. Good. Good little couple of bars. That's a long walk. Do you not do a pint in between? No, no. Cider press straight to anchor. Very. Yeah. And then uh, it gets the mem. Kind of before kick off, try and buy a pasty. Mm-hmm. Always sold out. Sold out. You get yeah. Sometimes they have cheese and onion ones left. You thought they might have learnt that. Maybe we need to kind of get a little stock in here. Yeah, didn't they? Um, haven't they won awards for the pasties down down the men? Yes, because they're, they're probably all gone before anybody can taste them. Do you think they were made for made by the same tea lady who suggested Nigel Martin? I'll tell you what, Chris, he's had then <laughs> Nigel Martin ten million. Nigel Martin's were award pasty. pasties. <laughs> Yeah, that's on our bedroom and wall. And then um, sure. stand on the terrace, don't watch hardly any of the game. Because you can't see. I'm no, sure. yeah. you can't see what's happening behind the goal, really. No. And then um, one of the uh, things I just never learn is I always think it's a good idea to buy a pint at half-time. Yeah, of course it is. Why not? Because at the Mayor, there's a queue in the in the clubhouse terrace. It's mental that you've the, got a clubhouse. Or the Thatcher's terrace. Right. How many bars have you got at, at Six or seven, I think. Okay, right. Um, yeah, you, you buy the pint, you queue up for 10 minutes of half-time, mm. you get five minutes of drink, and then you get kicked out. They kick you out? Because they've they got to kick you out. You can't, you can't be in there during the game. Right, so that is obviously a really like major point of being a Bristol City fan is going down to the concourse whatever oh, yeah, time you, you can drink in, during, in the and concourse, drink and then they, they live stream the game onto the screens in the concourse so obviously yeah. you can watch the game from there um, so yeah we'll go down 10 minutes before half time come mm. out about 20 minutes before the end and then um, normally when we're 3-0 down we'll walk to the pub <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then after the game stumble back down Gloucester Road head into the cider press again and then by this time you're brave enough to try the kind of the ciders on their menu Sounds awful. Yeah, like the chocolate cider and the stick, uh, toffee apple cider, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, not that one for gimmicks, mate. So Saturday, Nigel Pearson's 500th game in charge. Unfortunately, he was in charge of Bristol City, who couldn't get the three points against QPR, which you know I was actually very, very surprised at. 
You didn't watch the game, did you, Pat? So I didn't actually watch it. <laughs> Start to a podcast. Yeah, mate. I'm, no, I'm not going to give like. I'll be honest with you. I, I want to say this from the start. Um, I probably will. I'll probably go back on this, but I don't think I'm going to watch another Bristol City game for the rest of the season. That's a standard Bristol City fan, isn't it? No, it's well, yeah. I, anyone who's paying a tenner to watch us finish mid-table at this point is a mug. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, support. I still support the club, um, but. Yeah, I'm just not that interested this season. I know exactly what we should do. Yeah, I just don't see why why we need to pay a tenner now to just watch us sort of finish mid-table. It's so a waste of time. Are you calling for the club to put Robins TV for free for the rest of the season? Uh, no, because they, they need a revenue stream. There are obviously some people out there who their whole week is building up to their Saturday 3 o'clock or their Tuesday evenings or whatever. And fair enough, enjoy it. For me, I don't want to watch a team just finished my table it doesn't interest me as much as it used to when I was younger and I probably will go back on it and I will be bored on a Saturday and stick it on but the truth is which means that this podcast can be really ill viewed <laughs> and I'm going to be coming from like the stupid six minute uh, highlights they put on which for like a nil nil you get six minute highlights which some of the highlights are very dubious to say the least um yeah, you'll get the highlight sort of analysis from me at the moment. Because what's the point? <laughs> Very true. But 500 games, though? A big achievement? Of course, yeah. 500 of anything is a big achievement, if you ask me. Um, debatable. Yeah, true. Well, no, either way, it's an achievement. Whether it's right or wrong, I'm not sure. Uh, no, fair play. But then on the same day, Mick McCarthy had his 1,000th game, which um, is ridiculous. And the difference between 500 games is nine points. As the manager of Cardiff and the manager of Bristol City, it's nine points. What's the point in 500 extra games? I don't understand it. But now, fair, look, fair play to Pearson. He's obviously this. This is the difference. Look at Dean Holden. He had, I think, six six games as a manager before us. Then went into an assistant role. Um, uh, Lee Johnson again first managerial role so like we say it's different he's 500 games in he's got that experience so fair dues but yeah hats off 500 games I don't think I could manage at our level 500 games put it that way yeah and he chose a nice way to celebrate it didn't he by bringing on his son for his debut uh, yeah, what Pearson? Uh, it's not actually his son. I think his son. <laughs> I was, I was just really hoping that he just felt, oh god, it's my five hundred game. Yeah, bring his old. Give the boy a run out. <laughs> to be honest, I think that boy's had enough run outs. Uh, I think he's playing in the Thai league. If you ask me, um, no, yeah, no, Pearson debut. Look, another one again. We would not have seen him if we didn't have the injuries we've had this this year. Um, but it's always nice to see a fellow ginger on the pitch. To be honest, I. I I miss the days of Sid Wells and the Kitsons and players like that. So to see another ginger lad. And they put a little, a short little clip on, on Twitter. Um, and he looked quite bright, actually. He looked quite good. So I watched that. And I think every under-23 is going to get, a, or, or the, the top end of the 23s are going to get a, a good chance. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that Lewis Britton, um, who seems to be absolutely notching at that level. Um, but yeah, look, they're only there because of the injuries. We all know that. I... I'd be intrigued to see if we didn't have them, would would they actually feature as much? But it, that's always a plus side in a game when you get one of your young players on. Well, I guess if you've got nothing to play for this season, then just start blooding some of the youngsters through. 
Well, that's it, especially when you know two of your players knock themselves out in the first <laughs> half. Was it three? So in the, in the few games Nigel Pearson's been in charge, he's made what five substitutions before half time. Yeah, he um, yeah, obviously a few of those were forced. I got to say, but um, not messing about, is he? Mate, he comes in and he just goes right. That's it. I've had it. I've I've had enough. You're out. You're out. I've seen I've seen twenty minutes. You're coming off. Um, <laughs> I, he did it to to Backinson. Um, at the QPR game just pulled him and then obviously two blokes get knocked out and we're three subs down before half time that's three subs before half time was it two subs before half time with a concussion uh, like I say, I didn't watch it mate. I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> that's bad isn't it but he pulled Backinson off for a game because apparently he wasn't putting his weight and fair play someone with a bit of balls like I said last week someone with a bit of balls who's, who's going to sort of kick people out the right way you know he's got um, a bit of history of that hasn't he well look he, there's that there's that story going around with Matt Mills who he headbutted, butted <laughs> uh, and obviously I'd imagine he got concussed as well so I'm assuming the players on the pitch would rather have got knocked out on the pitch than at half time when we were seriously underachieving against what is actually a very average QPR side yeah when I looked at the I was actually really really surprised you lost that game uh, after you know your victory at Swansea in Middlesbrough um, you look at the QPR lineup, mm. and you don't really recognise any players in that lineup. No, no. Um, yeah, QPR have this had this way of about three or four years ago, where they had like quite a star-studded, maybe five years ago, they had quite a star-studded squad. Um, Trapped, like what a player that bloke was, you know. <laughs> and but obviously, then they broke all the rules, the FFP rules and whatever. And now they're having to. I don't know. Yeah, you do look at their squad and you think, Who, who's he? They're doing all right. They're like mid-table. And it's, it's just like... That's the life of a QPR fan and a QPR player and a QPR... Just QPR in general. Just consistently average. Consistently average, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I say that with a pinch of salt because at the moment Bristol City have been consistently average in that championship. But when I started supporting the club, to say that was going to happen, um, I would have bitten your hand off absolutely would have bitten your hand off to, to be what a, a comfortable championship side I think it's safe to say we're not going down I I will bear my arse in Burton's window if uh, if uh, that's a little Gary Johnson reference there um, but yeah I will do that if we go down but I'm fairly confident that's Burton's is closed down in the centre now yeah, it's well, been a victim hey, of the pandemic House of Fraser it is then I guess <laughs> um, but yeah no so I don't think a mid-table championship club is a bad place to be I think as a Bristol City fan, though, I would obviously like us to go up and get and get promoted. Five home defeats on the bounce. That's, what's that club record now? That's the first time in our history that that's a club happened. record. Well, you could call it that, or you could call it the first time in our history. Yeah, of course, a club record. But I think it sounds worse if you say first time in your history. Um, but mate, it just goes to show what a fortress Ashton Gate is. Um, and again, I say that with a pinch of salt. Well, you, you say this, and I went back through your home record for the championship mm. since you got promoted. And at no point in the last, in your five seasons in the championship, you've got over a 50% win record. So like, I don't know what you refer to as a fortress, but I wouldn't call that a fortress. Well, it's not losing five games on the bounce <laughs> fortress. Um, no, you're right. We've been shoddy at home, to be honest. And I... I'm not sure how to say this, but the teams like Leeds, who travel real well with amazing fans, and their their home atmosphere is unbelievable all season for whatever game, they always do a bit better. When Bristol City sell out the ground and play Man United, and it sounds you know, the atmosphere is incredible, we beat Man United. Do you, do you know what I mean? I think 
I think we could all Saturdays become a bit monotonous when we're all in the ground a little bit, and we go, oh, all right, that's not. That's all right, yeah, okay, another game, going to go to the pub, do this, do that. But now we haven't been there for a while. I wonder whether our attitude should be, right, let's actually make this Saturday class, let's get on the, let's get on the beers, let's, you know, let's, let's actually get behind the team as opposed to just being typical fickle fans who moan when it's not going well and have a good celebration when it is going well. So I wonder if being away from the ground might change that and I wonder actually that might change the fortune on the pitch. One thing I've um, noticed since we've started this little passion project. <laughs> Don't call it that. <laughs> Sounds wrong. Yeah. Uh, is uh, this Gregor McGregor face. McGregor face? Oh, on Twitter. This, 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 yeah, can't, be, just... this can't be a real person. Um, <laughs> Gregor McGregor is, I mean, I have to say I really like what he does. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like the stuff that's coming out of of his Twitter is pretty good, but yeah, Gregor McGregor. <laughs> it does sound like a sort of comic book superhero type bloke. I wouldn't be surprised if he rips off his face and there's Andy Stockhausen, our old Bristol say... live reporter, underneath. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like Steve Lansdowne or something. <laughs> oh, Lansdowne, an in, a fully inside job. Yeah, <laughs> that could be it. Could mm. be Lee Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. But he does good work, actually. And it's nice to have um, that kind of outlet on in, in the papers. Fair play to him. So Saturday, Rovers visited league leaders Hull City and were beaten 2-0. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest, it was a free hit against the league leaders. Nothing gained, nothing lost. Uh, did all right. But um, a mistake probably ruined the hard graft. And um, I guess that, caught, that, that produced the biggest talking point of Hull versus Bristol Rovers, um, which was Joey Barton's social media ban following the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, which, saw that. Which is quite ironic coming from him. Um, yeah, loves it on there, doesn't he? Uh, so what this is all about is um, left-back Luke Leahy, after the game, tweeted that um, he wanted to accept responsibility for the mistake. And Joey Barton came out saying, there's too many players apologising to fans after the game. It's a negative environment want to turn it into a positive environment which you know i completely agree with when i saw luke Leahy's tweet and we, we said from the beginning we weren't gonna sort of call out footballers on this podcast but you know when when, when you make the mistake that luke Leahy made on, on saturday it, it is kind of obvious that he needs to take responsibility for it you make that mistake every week as a right back right you... no because you don't pick me so. <laughs> no but look you we all make those mistakes every week. I'm actually on Leahy's side. Not that he was like going against Barton, because obviously the no. ban wasn't there. But I don't see the problem. And I want to know why you are fully in support of this positive mental attitude. If you mess up and you've got, I don't know, all 25 Rovers fans on your back, then what do you do about that? Would you, do you, do you, would you rather him come out and go, unlucky today, lads, um, we'll go again next week or would you rather him be a bit more genuine about it and say look actually that was a terrible you know why am I shielding it out there when the ball's not even rolling you know holding his hands up and saying that What I don't understand why you're on Barton's side here in, personally because it's just a, the, the reason the Rovers are where they are you know, they, they do have good players and got a lot of talented players but it's the individual errors that are costing us and you know it's easy to take responsibility for it on social media by writing a few words, but it's about taking responsibility for it on the pitch and going again next week. And and I, I, I guess what may be hard, I was trying to think of this from both sides of the fence, and and as there's no crowd crowd in the stadiums, 
if you do make a mistake, there's no, there's not that hostility towards you that you would normally get if 10,000 people are at the mem or you're a way support you rather. that down a couple of thousand, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no one there sort of swearing at you, giving you a hard time. So maybe kind of venting it on social media is the way to get that sort of ownership that it's your mistake. Um, so I tried to look at it from both points of view. But Joe Barn is right. It, it, when you do that on Twitter, you look you look at the comments that people were writing back to him and you know, a lot of it was pretty positive, but there is the odd person that, that comes back with a negative tweet and that, that obviously doesn't create a positive attitude going to the next game. Okay, I okay, so it was more about the reaction of the tweets than the actual act of the tweet. I, I think it's a bit of both and um it just goes back to what we were talking about last week with the Rovers, is that they're just generally a, a nice club. Like the players are just all genuine nice people. We the backroom staff are here, you we reckon the yeah. backroom staff is. Um and it does need to just have a bit of a sort of rough side to it and, and a bit of a hard side to it and, and, and you know, apologising on social media doesn't really produce that and I think I'm oh, yeah. completely behind um, Joey Barton and, and what he says around the social media and banning it until we're at the bottom four and, and then players can sort of take the adulation of winning games and, and having fans tweet them nice things and yeah um, and it you know once we've once we've stopped those kind of errors that professional footballers all right they're league one footballers they will, they will make mistakes but you know continually mistakes that lead to goals week after week they need to count they need to stop them out and um, you know I, I see what Joey Barton's doing there. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I still think it's nicer when it sort of drops that screen down a little bit and you get a bit of personality out of the players when they do hold their hands up and they do, you know, I do like that. But I can understand from a struggling team's point of view as to why um, Barton would do that. And look, if there's anybody going to give a bit of bite into Bristol Rovers, it is probably Joey Barton, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. Um, I didn't actually see the game on Saturday, so like you. Um... <laughs> We're crap at this. <laughs> We are rubbish. Um, but last night, we watched Bristol Rovers versus Accrington Stanley. Slow down on the we. It was on in the in the room, I have to say. I made a note of this. When it came on and you know, the music was on the stadium, you started singing Hi Ho Bristol Rovers. I don't think that's true. I think the words of Bristol City. I think, I, the Hi Ho song is... A, you cannot use that. It's a universal football song and I did not say the words Rovers. You were gripped last night. Um... It was it was quite funny to watch where we were, to be honest, and look back down at League One and think, thank God we are not at that level. Um, but I was entertained, and I, I, there's something in that, because there are often times I watch a Bristol City game and I'm not entertained. Uh, and quite often this season, we have not been entertained. Last night, watching Bristol Rovers uh, and the other team, Accrington Stanley, I enjoyed the game. What elements did you find most entertaining? Most entertaining was hearing Barton on the sideline, um, <laughs> picked up from the mics. He's an absolute nutter. Um, I owned her up front, and he looked good. He actually was good to watch. I actually quite enjoyed Good close control. Apparently, he's not been that good this season, then, no? Oh, he came from National League South. Yeah. Under Garner and Tisdale, he didn't really get a chance, but... Uh, Barton sees, seems to see something in him and you know since Barton's come in he seems to have put in a good few shifts up top um, last night was a good win Accrington probably turned up thinking we beat this lot 6-1 four weeks ago they look rubbish yeah. for a side that does you 6-1 they look crap what, what does that say about Rovers four weeks ago that's true yeah um, but you know I think we said this it's just a classic Tuesday night game wasn't it it's was not pretty but 
job done. It was the opposite of a 4-1 win you'd ever see, actually. <laughs> yeah. but, um, there was well-taken goals, though, I've got to say. Yeah, no, there was uh, two of them were, and three of them, actually. Um, and I guess it, it, to sum up as a Rose fan, I think last night was just a sigh of relief. Um, and I think that those goals could prove vital come the end of the season in terms of goal difference. We've now got the second best goal difference in the pack, if you like, the relegation pack. Yeah. Um, so that could prove vital. In, uh, in a relegation pack, it's not about who's the better team, is it? It's, a, no. it's more about belief, I think. It's more about that sort of belief that you're not going to go down. Is it, like, it, how often does actually one of the better sides slip into that bottom three and the other two places above probably should be in there, not the team that's actually gone down? Um, I know points, obviously, win games. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, it, I suppose last night, yeah, a 4-1 win against anyone is, is obviously enough to build I, that morale. I guess when you're down there, it's about just hanging in there and then hitting form at the right time to be able to sort of power out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you and- think this is you hitting form? Uh, we've we got a few a key good... games coming up we've got Wimbledon on Saturday which we're going to talk about later in the pod yeah um, and uh, you know that, that could prove a pivotal game and then we've got you know, a couple of other key games in the, in the coming weeks so it's all very tight down there um, oh, I hope you go down but you know you know, I was, I was reading some of the, the Twitter comments from Rovers fans last night I think we just need to just keep our feet on the floor a little bit oh is there a lot of um... I think Jerry Barton's on the verge of getting the keys to the city already okay uh, look <laughs> But, he's one of those personalities, though, isn't he? Once he gets his feet under the under the table, people love him. And with results like last night, it looked like I actually, as I'm speaking, I'm just thinking to myself. I think I've I've watched more Bristol Rovers past week than I have Bristol City. Gonna maybe I'm going to go back. Maybe I'm going to go back on my words, and maybe I'll watch City this weekend. You're not going to be able to show your face in Bedminster. <laughs> uh, I never could really. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I think. Shit, I better start watching Bristol City again, I think. Um, but I think Rovers fans need to remember that, you know, when Tisdale came in, we had a bit of a flutter of form in De- oh, was it December. Um, so let's just keep a feet on the, te- on the on the floor, take one game at a time. Stats suggest that 4-1 flattered us a little last night. Um, so it was a good performance, don't get you wrong, but we've got the three Slow points on to Saturday, really. Not just, let's cut out this. It's so cliche, but yeah. football is quite quick. And yeah. like you could win, yeah, you win on a Tuesday and lose on a Saturday, you're back, you know, back down to it. So fingers crossed. Yeah, and then um, obviously, I don't know if you heard Barton's interview today. I didn't catch that. Um, so the, we saw the the penalty shout. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the punch or the attempted punch. From a football fan, from a Bristol Rovers fan point of view, what do you say to that? Penalty all day long, red card, send them off, five one. <laughs> However, from a football point of view keeper keeper had to go for it he got the ball he's clean the ball he's got there first yeah, he's got the and ball he's first. hitting with his chest and actually that if he stays down and gets a bit of treatment and maybe goes off of a head injury you start thinking well that was a bit rough um mm. he got straight back up mate i don't yeah. think you can you can say it. well what's barton saying about it he said uh, in his interview i went to prison for less than the challenge on james daly um that's not true <laughs> i think we can both agree that that's probably not true On to local football then. So we've been monitoring the Twitter feeds all week, trying to find out what's happening with local football. We've even reached out to 
all the local leagues to get sort of an official response. Mm. Um, Gloucestershire County League found out via social media, null and voided along with the Les James League Cup. I just want to say you probably are aware of this. We're not breaking news at this point. I think most teams are probably aware. Oh, yeah, yeah. But just we're wrapping it all up. Nice, nice. Um, Bristol and District League and Bristol Premier Combinations League. Nice reply from old Ralph Pratt in there. Mm. Detailed explanation statement to us explaining the situation. Too many games to play. Worried it's going to overrun into July. Lack of open facilities and clubs worried about sort of safety and stuff. And they've spoken with members. Fair dues. Yeah, that's a, that was a really reasonable response. Actually. Yeah, Bristol Suburban League <laughs> didn't get any response from them, but all of a sudden there's many lockdown leagues popping up, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, they were released, uh, we're recording, what are we, Wednesday the 10th. Um, they were released last night with the fixtures, uh, with the tables. Um, uh, An initial reaction is great football. Um, of course it is. I think we're all looking forward to getting back and playing. Like I said last week, you know, standing down the fields and or playing or whatever. I think we're all looking forward to that. Um, but for me personally, it was a really nice try um, to bring football back. It's just it was an opportunity to do something new. And mm. from what I see at the moment, it kind of looks like they've just they've opened it up to every club. It's, eight or eight or nine clubs from a league have said, yeah, we're you know we're 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 up for it and they've just split the same leagues in half and gone right you're in a mini league you're in a mini league um you know round robin winner gets a trophy and actually i think this was a chance to do something different do you know what i mean it'd be, like, what, like what no i'm thinking you know like a like an fa cup style tournament right you do draws you you maybe bring in the prem and senior teams a bit later um you know, you go into rank. You know, you got. They've had all this time to plan something, and uh, ultimately they've bought in a bit of a money so spinner. Cut the league in half. They've cut the leagues in half, um, and it's all right. Like you know, I'm I'm thankful that we're back playing. I'm really well, one of know, the only leagues in Bristol to play. Don't forget that is true. I, you I, don't, have, know the, I don't know what the Downs is doing, but um, at the moment it looks like the Suburban League is the only league. Yeah, and, so you do have to commend them in the fact that they have been brave enough and have put some leagues together and set some fixtures up because I think one of the worries from if you're a local footballer is for the next what is it till September six months playing friendly football that's true um I do commend them actually of course I do I'm really thankful for football to be back my initial reaction was that the more I've had a chance to think about it I genuinely think something just a bit more exciting I think it would have been nice for them to wrap up all the leagues with like a playoff style yeah, so and the top four teams going to a home and a, home and away playoff, and then the winners of the two semi-finals playing a final to get promotion or something like that. Yeah, um, would have been quite nice to have to end the competitiveness a little bit, or even like a Champions League. You know, Champions top, League. Well, look, top four teams of each league go into the Champions League. They play. Um, they play a Champions League style knockout competition well, against like the Bristol and District Premier Combinations and the Bourbon League. That would have been that would have been absolutely amazing if they all worked together on it. I mm. also think they could have done it just in the suburban. Um, personally, the level the level between Premier and Div Six, Div Five. I'm not sure how how. Look, don't get me wrong; they are underdogs at that level. But actually, you know, an upset. Do you know what I mean? Imagine, you know, some of the teams beating. 
some of the bigger teams at the top, it would have been, you know, what a Saturday that would have been. Or oh, the alternative, you're spending your Saturday getting trounced 10 0. There is obviously that, that side as well. I understand it. It was a safe option for me. And I, yeah. and, but the other side is, what's the point of these mini leagues? If we, can't com- if we can't complete our leagues, why start this whole mini league thing? It's a fair shout. Why offer that? Why not complete the leagues? It, fail that. So I'll go on what, um, what the Premier Combination said um, about, about too many games. It'll overrun into July. Blah, you know, and they've cancelled the season. And they've cancelled the season, right? Fair play. But the fact that Suburban League are carrying on games, knowing full well that teams are going to play them, why not play the league? Yeah, fair shout. There are, I said this last week, each club has individual um, hurdles to climb to make football happen, especially in the summer months. Personally, we've got a cricket pitch. Um, facilities aren't as available. Some teams have only played two games, three games. I understand that, but make it work. If you can work a mini-league then you can absolutely work finishing the leagues. And failing that, start the same league again in August. You could one way of doing it would be just if you're you know, most teams play about ten games, so every played everybody once. Mm. Sometimes you may have played a team twice, but if you play a team twice, you just cancel on the results. If 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 one team's won one game and the other team's won the other game, you just call it a draw. Right. Uh if you play them once then you, you count the result a bit each team then only plays every team once throughout the whole season. So if a team's played teams twice, you just cancel one of the games or level it out. And then you have, instead of playing each other twice, you finish the league just playing everyone once. Exactly. And, and, you could, look, and you could finish the whole league that way. And home and away is hardly a, a factor at our level. Well, it, depends, it? it depends how you're playing, doesn't it? It's true, true, true. <laughs> but I have to say, obviously I am coming from a point of top of the league. So I do have a skewed vision on this, but, mm. but it feels like we've had two seasons now, even the first season when we were bottom two I still would have rather have completed that league and I know they did it on points per game and I know it happened again but it's like two two leagues now we've had nearly a year to complete two leagues yeah and it's more than doable and I think they should continue the leagues from August um, from November to February you only play about two games anyway because of the rain um, you, com- you complete those leagues. Then you can start your mini leagues and your tournaments and your things like that. But complete them. I, I really, for, for integrity of the competitions, just play them. Why not? Um, in terms of local news happening around the leagues, um, Olverston uh, ladies team are looking for a reserve team manager. So if you're interested in that, you must have an FA level one uh, badge. Um, so just drop them an email to Olverston United Ladies at VirginMedia.com. That's Olverston United Ladies at VirginMedia.com. Uh, elsewhere, Shire Hampton's club captain Matty McCall undertook a four by four by forty eight challenge That's in aid of the South Eid Hostel charity. Last time we checked, he'd raised over three and a half grand. So four by four by forty eight challenge is running four hours, yeah. like four miles yeah. every four hours in forty eight hours. That's nuts. Yeah. Fair play, mate. Fair play to mate. Yeah, yeah. How, 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 I say mate. I think, <laughs> if you listen. How many do you reckon you'd be able to do? Um, well, I, saw, I saw you do insanities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a lot. No, nowhere near that at all. Eight? Eight by not a lot. No, I'm not even going to say. But no, fair play, Matty. It's class. And uh, finally, Rockley's Rangers, throughout the course of the pandemic, have raised 10K by walking the equivalent distance to Doha 
£10,000 is a serious amount of money. I think they're building a new clubhouse with it. Yeah, fair enough. Look, look. Well, you can't even get subs off your place. <laughs> yeah, I can't get five... 10k, boys. Um, that's, that's crazy money. That's like, yeah, fair play. So on to the final segment of the show, the Brizzle 11. So this is all about finding the all-time 11 of football players that have played for Rovers and City. Mm. Last week, we were looking at goalkeepers and it was a bit of a landslide victory, not going to lie. Nigel Martin, 69% to Adriano Basso's 31%. Any regrets about your decision last week? Uh, Well, obviously, now the poll's in. Yeah, a bit of regrets, yeah. We even had a City fan, Horns, according to Twitter. I'm a City fan, but this isn't even close. Martin was superb. Does that, um, does that not hurt? Nah, to be fair to Horns, <laughs> he's bang on. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's right. Of course he is. But I, well, look, can I just say, I don't want to, I want to clear up the rules on this. Is this when they were playing for the clubs? Because Nigel Martin, no doubt, went on to bigger things than Adriano Basso, right? Yeah. But he was still pretty good. He's good, at, he's good at Rovers. He went straight to the Premier League. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, so this week, we are looking at right backs, uh, building from the back. Do you want to go first or shall I go first this week? You went first last week. Yeah, so. you go first. Yeah, yeah. So right back isn't the most exciting to position to sort of pick from, let's Don't be honest. Don't sell yourself short, Coops. So obviously we've had, we've had a, a couple of uh, big names down the years. I say big, but Doug Hillard, way before my time, apparently he was a pretty handy right back. David Pritchard, as I was just getting into Rovers, was also pretty good. Um, but I'm going to go for Michael Smith. My, this is my nomination. Okay. Um, a bit of background to Michael Smith. Came from Ballymena United in Northern Ireland. Okay. In three seasons, he made 101 appearances for the gas. Scored one goal against Norwich. Um, and I looked at this on YouTube. I was When I saw one goal, I thought, I'm going to find this goal. And I saw was the he... goal not against Ipswich? I remember it well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a fluke. I'm sure it was a fluke. <laughs> right. Like, this is a right back who cuts in on his on his left foot from 30 yards out yeah. and just swings his left foot at it and lobs yeah. the keeper from 30 yards. That is a typical right-back's finish. Yeah, so if you're listening, Michael, let us know if it's a fluke or not. That was like the um, the finish the other night against Accrington. Yeah, but, but much further out. Oh, really? Okay. But it, yeah, so it could have been a, just putting it into the mixer. Yeah, right. Um, so, um, player of the year in 2012-13. Okay. And he probably would have been player of the year in 13-14. 13 it's the year we got relegated out of the football league hey. I, th- I think they, I think they cancelled player of the year that year uh, for obvious reasons player of the, sorry internal player of the yeah. year yeah okay yeah okay and keep then, that in mind yeah he made the league two team of the year for the season we got relegated out of the football league which is pretty impressive considering you did it's, get a te- it's a team out of relegated mm-hmm. um, in your own kit and that year <laughs> at, at that year he was probably you know, the only player of any real quality um, and you know, fans were actually happy to see him leave for the right reasons to progress his career. So, where, where is he now, Michael? He's playing up at Hearts. He's up at Hearts. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So he was the right back when you got relegated to the out of the National Football League. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. For me, right back has to be Bradley Orr. Uh, he was signed as a central midfielder um, and then was converted to right back in 05 and 06, which is something you know about. Yeah, happens to the best of us. 
He played 229 games for Bristol City and he scored 12 goals. Not bad. Um, he was named in PFA's Championship Team of the Season in 07 and 08. Wait, are you just naming the 2008 playoff team here? <laughs> to be fair, I absolutely could. They were class. Um, and if that's not enough, so all those games, championship PFA Championship Player of the Season, if that's not enough, um, he was arrested outside Romeo Browns with Steve Brooker and David Partridge. And that's the reasons for him to be in the Brizard 11, is it? No, of course it ain't, but a bit of personality in someone does not go amiss. That's bit all of fight. I'm saying. Bit of fight, bit yeah. of fight. Um, no, I think the draw for that, watching Bradley Orr, mate, he was classic, classic right back, um, an absolute joy to watch. So there we have it, your two nominations for right back for the Brizard 11, Michael Smith of Bristol Rovers or Bradley Orr of Bristol City. To vote, just head over to our Twitter account at Pod, and you'll see the vote pins at the top of the account. So make your vote, um, and the winner of that will join Nigel Martin um, in the team. Lucky them. (laughs) Right, just before we go, let's look at this weekend's fixtures, shall we? Yeah. So um, City have a uh, trip to Birmingham away, a bit of a... um, interesting one for you seeing as your uh, other half is from Birmingham yeah yeah her, yeah her family are massive Birmingham fans to be fair um yeah interesting enough so that I can drop them a text and say haha but um for me as I said earlier mate um what's the point at this point <laughs> look, at this point and this is what I would do I would say to Pearson um you're in charge next season I would. I'd give him a, a course. Four, you know, the amount of games we've four months out of Pearson is not enough. Um, I'd say you've got it till, you know, next season. I'd rest players. I would rest your Bentleys. I'd rest your Calluses. Um, the only, I'd rest the only your Naki Wells. The only reason you're resting Bentley is so someone doesn't buy him. <laughs> I, what I would do is I would kidnap Bentley, <laughs> kidnap Cal. No, look, I, I'd, I'd rest them all up. I'd give all the youngins a chance. Most of them, obviously, the players coming back inju- into um, from injury, I would put them back in the squad and ease them back in. Um, but I would say, look, pre-season or from July or whenever they start, you know, it's normally July fifteenth or so. From that point, we are going to win next. We are going to be champions next season. So have your break now. Um, you know, get some family time in. But from then, we are going to train and we're going to play like champions. Um, so. That's what I would do. That's obviously not what we're going to do. Um, so, look, three points against Birmingham, I think, is expected. Uh, and I hope I hope it comes off. Uh, and obviously, Rovers, you've got the big one. You've got the, the Dons, the Wimbledons. Yeah, um, yes, Wimbledon at home. Big game, actually. Um, they've got a gap. They're, they're just below us. They've got a game in hand on us. So if they beat us, they go level on points with us. But if we win, we put a bit of a buffer of six points clear. Um and looking at Wimbledon's form, Wimbledon rarely score more than one goal. So they scored twice once this year. Every other game, they've only scored one goal since Was the start. Was that against year. Wigan? Yeah. And Wigan are rubbish. Yeah, Wigan are rubbish, yeah. even though we lost to them. But, um, so I feel that if we score, mm-hmm. we can't lose. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Somebody clip that, please. <laughs> but uh, they seem to have a... Oh, a bit of a habit of beating us at the Mem recently, so um, let's see what happens. Ever been to the old Wimbledon ground before they built the new one away, King's Meadow? I've never been there. No, it's an awful away trip. No pubs anywhere near it. Right. Can't see. 
And what happened when you went there then, Coop? Well, I drove there and I just ended up drunk in class and I had to go, had to go and get into Paddington and get the train home and then pick my car up in the week after. Oh, so. no, you had to go all the way back out to pick the car up. Yeah, so, um, so there we have it. Yeah, so that's an exciting Saturday ahead of us. So let's predict some scores. Birmingham, Bristol City. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win to Bristol City. And for Rovers Wimbledon, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win to the gas. Clean sheet. So there we have it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, the best way to help us out is by subscribing. And you can even give us a rate on Apple Podcasts. That'd be lovely. A little five stars. Uh, Also, if you'd like to get in touch, then follow us on Twitter. You can find us at BrizzleKicksPod and just drop us a tweet. We'll be back in a week's time, so don't forget to tune in then. Cheers, Nige. Cheers, Nige.